Hello and welcome to episode number 63 of Investing from the Beach. I'm your host, I'm Chris Hansen, and I've got my co-host with me tonight, Mr. Chris Lamb. Hey, it's Chris Lamb here. And if it's your first time listening to the show, <clears throat> excuse me, a quick background on the two of us. We, uh, we both hit time freedom, which some people think is the same as financial freedom. It is not. Uh, time freedom means that we our expenses are covered by our investments, takes little to no time of hours during the day to uh, to manage that. We didn't do it through the real estate market or selling stuff on Amazon or through stock options through some tech firm. Or the lottery. Or <laughs> <laughs> Well, we're going to sidetrack on that. I won 10 bucks in the lottery the other day, just, just so you know, in the big lottery. Not that I, I rarely buy a ticket <clears throat> filled mm-hmm. up with gas, an extra two bucks. I just said to the guy, he goes, hey, just give me a lottery ticket. And uh, checked it about three weeks later and realized, hey, I won 10 bucks. I hope I hope that's not the start of the addiction. No. Well, that's what I said. <laughs> it, it was probably a month or two ago, and I think the ticket is still sitting in the, uh, in the junk drawer here, so it's probably going to get thrown away. <clears throat> but nonetheless, we, uh, we hit time freedom. Uh, we both worked for IBM, and we both did it via the stock market. Chris is about 20 years younger than I am. We met while we were working there. He was uh, just joining as an intern, trying to uh, get someone to give him a job. I was uh, nearly out the door trying to find someone that would say something. I was something. trying to beef up my resume. Yeah, I was trying to find <laughs> somebody that would say something annoying so I could leave. Uh, they finally did, and I did. <clears throat> so I, quote-unquote, retired when I was about 40. Um, Chris is much smarter than I am. He was able to get out of there when he was about 30. Um, he stuck around a few years longer than he probably could have. I mean, you probably could have retired at what, 26, 27, 28, somewhere in there. Mm-hmm. And so I, I actually, I think I convinced him to stick around a little bit to learn some stuff from IBM that he might be able to apply in a future life, depending on what he wanted to do once he uh, later left IBM. <clears throat> we uh, we met there. We developed a great friendship uh, initially over the stock market. Realized we had a lot of the same way of thinking, same values, same warped sense of humor, and uh, developed a great friendship and a relationship over the years. When uh, when I left, I didn't have any grand plans on what I was going to do. <clears throat> Excuse me. I don't think Chris did either. We both were trading. Someone came up after uh, a few years of uh, trading. I, I run a class occasion where I'll teach people. Uh, what I know. <clears throat> Chris was kind enough to uh, join me on that. He he shows up <laughs> for about two, three hours ahead of time or during the session. He signs people in, talks to them, eats a free lunch, usually, and then leaves. <laughs> so that's, that's his give oh, back. To rubber me. chicken lunch. Awesome. Yeah, exactly. You get no better rubber chicken. You can see we get to develop a great friendship. And uh, let's see what else. That's how we got <clears> the time freedom. That, that, that's a basic, yeah, not eating rubber chicken. <clears throat> Excuse me. One of the guys that sat through the class a couple of years ago is a uh, a well known podcast producer, well known in the po- very very well known in the podcasting world. And he sat me down one day and said, "The two of you have got this uh, very unique message. You need to get it out to the masses. Why don't you do a podcast?" And I looked at him sideways, trying to figure out how to spell podcast. And a couple of years later, here we are now. The purpose of the of these episodes and of the show is to show people that it is not about the how to do. That's maybe 5% of it. So 5% of this is how to do. The, the how to think part is 95% of the equation. And you have to have discipline 100% of the time if you want to achieve success, whether it's in stock, real estate, selling stuff on Amazon, whatever it is that you're going to do, this, the metrics apply no matter what it is that you're going to do. Our purpose in this podcast is to talk about the how to think. And that's what we do. 
<clears throat> you'll notice as, as you go through these, none of this stuff is scripted. Uh, Chris and I usually spend, uh, we, we bounce ideas th- often through e- to and through each other uh, over the course of the month on different topics. We get on the, on the phone about an hour in advance and we end up, you know, talking through stuff. Sometimes it's serious. A lot of times we're, we're telling very inappropriate jokes and comments. So we both get ourselves laughing and then we start recording at that point. Man, I'm totally losing. It must be late. <laughs> I forgot what I was going to say. If you've got, <laughs> got thoughts or comments or, or, you know, ways that we can improve this thing, one would be to be more awake when we're recording it. Send us a note. <clears throat> that would be awesome. You can reach us at investingfromthebeach at gmail.com. Continue to get great notes from there. So for those of you that are sending them, thank you very much. I appreciate them. I respond to every one of them. Uh, Chris doesn't look at a single one of them. I, I get stuck with all that work. <clears throat> so appreciate that. If you'd rather leave us something on voicemail, you can reach us at it's an easy number to remember, easy number to visualize. Uh, no matter where you are in the world, you can jump on a, <clears throat> a 747 airplane. In about 24 hours, you can be at any beach in the world. And that's our number, 747-24-BEACH. Chris, I noticed something. The number is 747. Then you do a countdown. 24, 23, 22, 4. Oh, nice. Yeah. <clears throat> now, for those of you who are like, what? What the hell is that? See, it's much easier to remember and not get on a 747 airplane 24, 24 hours and be in the beach. Yeah. But the number actually, I just noticed this the other day, and maybe this is just, uh, I noticed patterns and stuff, which is why I did well in the stock market. But the number actually works out to be 747. 24, 23, 22, 4. I can't come up with a better ending on, on the last number, but it does work out that way. Yeah, you ask me in the next one, I probably wouldn't be able to tell you. No, you won't remember, but you will remember 24, you know. 24 Beach, I yep, remember. exactly. So if you want to reach us that way, that'd be great. Um, we've got a website. You can check that out as well, uh, investingfromthebeach.com. <clears throat> there's a, I hear all kinds of positive comments. There's a great book list up there, or I'm told there's a great book list up there. Take a look through that. There's some great suggested reading materials. There's some other tabs up there you might find interesting. And let me think what else. Oh, if it's your first time listening to the show, my suggestion is listen to this episode and then maybe pick another one. Maybe the, you know, the last one or two or three episodes. Listen to one of those and see if it grabs you, see if it makes sense, if the message resonates with you. And if it does, go back to episode number one and start there. Cause people, and maybe go through the first seven, eight episodes. And cause people ask us all the time, I'm not really sure what you mean by how to think. I don't know what, I don't, I don't understand what that is. If you go through those first, you know, ballpark half a dozen to 10 episodes, you'll get a good understanding of what we mean by how to think. Got a lot of foundational elements there. And once you get through the first seven, eight episodes, then I mean, you, you certainly can binge listen all the way up to number 63, where we are now. Or pick and choose the ones that sound of interest to you, and then eventually get your way through all of them. Uh, I've got a number of people that I hear from regularly that say they listen. One guy in particular is out of the Denver area. He tells me that he listens to every episode five times before he goes on to the next one. And if we give any homework assignments or any suggested to-dos, he will do that before he goes to listen to it the next time. I hope he's not married. His wife might divorce him. (laughs) No, he is married. (laughs) I think his wife does it too, or his girlfriend does it too. So... But just, you know, there are some people that take, take this stuff very seriously. So it's very cool to see. Anything you want to add there, Mr. Wise? Oh, that's one? good confirmation. I'm glad, I'm glad he's doing that. It says that uh, it's confirming that we're putting out good content, that yeah. it's meaningful, it's valuable. So, you know, people are listening to it more than just once. Yep. So we're trying. 
And if you really knew how much effort we put into putting this thing together, you'd be blown away. We literally get on the phone and bullshit for like 45 <laughs> minutes. Go, man, let's talk about this and then see what comes out of it. So it's actually pretty cool. So today's topic, <clears throat> there was an article in or on, in, on, what would it be, on CNBC, mm-hmm. published on Tuesday, October 1st. Um, and it is entitled, Real Estate is Still the Best, the best Investment You Can Make Today, comma, millionaires say, and here's why. What it is, it's uh, eight or nine CNBC contributors. I think they call them the oracles. <clears throat> and it sounds like this is a money-making scheme, I guess is the wrong term. It's an opportunity. It's a business opportunity for this Make It website, I think, where they bring in some well-known uh, pundits. And it looks like you can, <laughs> you can click on this pay a few dollars and either also become a well-known pundit or you can become a member and then whatever it may be, which means you get to put your name on some of the articles that they have up there. And what That's marketing for the, or- the, the, the oracles. That's what they call it, right? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So I don't know how much it costs to get posted on there. Chris and I were starting to click on it and we had to go through all this application stuff. It's like, man, I want to deal with this. Um, but it was just kind of interesting. But a couple of things that they say on there. Billion, first one, they start off with billionaire Andrew Carnegie famously said that 90% of millionaires got their wealth by investing in real estate. We wanted to know, is this still true? Is investing in real estate still a good idea? Well, Chris, you have a, a fair amount of familiarity with Mr. Carnegie. I do. And so uh, one of the interesting things is, did Carnegie make his millions in real estate? And for those no, of you who don't know, when did Carnegie live? Early 1900s. Early 1900s. Yeah. <clears throat> and he made, at the time, tens of millions, if not more, I believe. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, he was, uh, in today's dollars, he was, I think it was a couple hundred millions, but today's dollars, he would be worth uh, uh, almost half a trillion. Yeah, so well, yeah. Low, by far the wealthiest guy. Yeah. But if you say, well, who's Andrew Carnegie? Well, you've heard of Carnegie Mellon University. Um, he is the donor to that. Uh, U.S. Steel is... Yeah, he's, he's known for the, the founder. You know, industrialist uh, yep. for steel. Yeah. <clears throat> yep, exactly. And Chris, how old was he when he stopped making money? Uh, 32, 33, when he said he focused. <laughs> he said, hey, I'm not going to focus on making money anymore and just focus on charity and giving. Yep, focused on yeah. philanthropy at that point. Yep. Took a religious view. Or, you know, a religious, I won't call it an awakening, but he, he opened up to what else is out there and started giving it away. And then yeah, was and doing, made, it made most of his money uh, really through stock ownership of, uh, you know, uh, businesses. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And was the wealthiest guy by a long shot during his time. Yeah. So, so it, was, it was just interesting that they're they're quoting Andrew Carnegie here about <laughs> real estate. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, oh, okay. Let's yeah. pull a stretch. I guess. Well, you know, Chris, you could do the same thing because yeah. we could quote Mr. Warren Buffett. Yeah. Uh, because there's a real estate sales firm called Berkshire Hathaway. That's true. And so people <laughs> say Buffett makes money. Berkshire Hathaway makes a lot of money selling real estate. <laughs> like, yeah. Uh, okay. All right. <laughs> it's like a fine. It's like probably a fine line in their, uh, you know, 10K your annual report. Yeah, something like that. Just, just kind of funny. So let's see. First one we've got here is the uh, the lovely Miss Barbara Corcoran, who many of you might know through, <clears throat> excuse me, her role on Shark Tank. She's one of the uh, sharks that often shows up. 
Um, if you don't know much about her, she, her background is, I think it was called the Corcoran Group or Corcoran Firm, something like that. But it's a big real estate sales office, the real estate sales um, enterprise in New York, in New York City. And she's done very, very, very well. And I'm not even sure if she had anything in there that was worth attacking. Um, all she talked about is she first bought a studio, needed a place to live. A few years later, the studio doubled in value. She used enough cash to plunk down 50% on a one-bedroom apartment. She rolled that into a two-bedroom, then a three-bedroom, and landed me in a 10-room penthouse on Fifth Avenue in New York. <clears throat> just so we understand, those roll-ups were not... In exchange. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, yeah, it was rolled up. She had to put in another chunk of cash down that she made by selling real estate. Mm-hmm. So she's correct in that people make a lot of money through real estate. Um, but in her case, it was done through the sales of real estate. Wasn't necessarily, not that she didn't make money off the holdings. But my strong suspicion would be that every time that she did the upgrade, it was through earnings that she'd made through selling real estate for others. Yeah, because you upgrade, when you upgrade, you need more cash, more money. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. And so you gotta you gotta get that money from somewhere. So you can't go from a one bedroom apartment to a ten room penthouse in Fifth Avenue. Yeah, by just by just you know a <laughs> little bit of capital gains. And, yeah, by selling it. Because think about it. That says that your ten room place is worth the same as a one room place. Yeah, <clears throat> doesn't make any sense. Um, by the way, one of the things we want to talk about on the how to think, and this will roll throughout as we go through and dissect and talk about the topics in this in this article is you want when people are always willing to give advice um, and you're listening to two guys here that are doing the same thing. So I'm going to speak out of both sides of my mouth. Always understand when you're listening to the advice of somebody else, one, what is their motive? Um, You know, they have some ulterior motive, something that they're trying to, an idea they're trying to convince you of, something they're trying to sell you on, whatever it may be. Be aware of that. And also be aware is what is their background? You know, Chris and I understand the stock market pretty well. We understand real estate enough to not be involved in it. Um, That doesn't mean that we shouldn't be, but from our understanding of it, I've never had anybody explain real estate well enough to me that makes me want to switch teams from investing in the stock market to investing in real estate. And interestingly enough, I I teach a class, excuse me, on the stock market, and that class is heavily populated with real estate investors. People who have made a very handsome sum in real estate, and then they understand what the stock market can do. And now they're sitting there. I've yet to meet anyone from the real estate side that's been able to convince me to switch teams. And I think you would say the same. Correct. And, and you mean, you have to also look at is, you know, is or what they achieved. Is that what you, you want? Yes. That's something that you want, not not just the money, but how did they get there? How did they get there? You know, or do, do you want to start with a, you know, single bedroom apartment and hopefully, you know, at that you're buying at the right time when she did, right? And be able to double that and, you know, the amount of work that goes into it. And even today, if she has an asset or a portfolio of all these real estate properties, she's busy. Look at what she's wearing. <laughs> She's got to dress up. She's got to go out there and you know be the image of the company and and continue to run it. So what Chris is referring to, we always he and I always have kind of an inside joke on this. Um, 
Chris, I, I don't know what you've been doing the past week. So I, this is not a loaded question. What, <laughs> what have you worn probably of the last seven days? What's been your attire? Um, all t-shirts and shorts. For every day of the week? Yes. Um, how about the week before that? Oh, sometimes I wear sweats so mosquitoes don't bite me when I water <laughs> the garden. No problem. <laughs> so they're clean sweats? Yes. Okay. Yeah, yeah. No, no, I, I mean, I, I wash them. No, but I'm just saying they're not old, holy, ratty things. No, no. All right. So it's a good, good quality pair of sweatpants. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, and has that been for the last two weeks, three weeks, four weeks? When's uh, the last time you wore pants? It's It's been a while, Chris. I don't know. <laughs> okay. Oh, oh, at the wedding. I went to a wedding. All right. I almost contemplated just going to the wedding because it's one of my good friends and, uh, or, you know. I haven't seen him for a while, but I I was just like, man, yeah, I'm just gonna show up in sweats and t-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> and then you know, I guess something in my head said, yeah, you know what, just be respectful and yeah, that's right. put that's on a suit thing. for him, you know. <laughs> so over the last month, the I wore a uh, I think I wore pants one time. A buddy of mine, in fact, the podcast guy, took me to some Hollywood premiere, so I was his uh, I was his plus one. His wife was busy. And so I actually wore pants to the events. You know, it was like one of these Hollywood party things. Um, and so I, I, it, I would be lying if I said I've only worn shorts and a T-shirt for the last two months. I think twice I've worn a pair of pants. And I think both times I was with him <clears throat> going to some Hollywood premiere events. So I actually had to dress the part. So I actually had on a long sleeve shirt and a pair of pants and dress shoes. So... The one with the tassels? Yeah, exactly. So the, <laughs> But the interesting thing is, right, because we're not selling something, we don't have to dress in a suit and a tie or a nice, a nice dress or whatever it is that would be quote-unquote business-fied. Mm-hmm. We look, we're in shorts and a T-shirt all the time. So it's another way to kind of, I won't say it's a way to gauge somebody, but Chris and I just have this unspoken, we can look at each other and go, yep, they're in sales, just based mm-hmm. on what they're wearing. Yeah. Um, so it's just kind of a neat spot to be in. So the next one we've got, uh, the second person in this article, it says residential properties can generate income year-round. And this is uh, Miss Bethany Frankel, <clears throat> who's a entrepreneur and the founder of something called Skinny Girl, which I think is a, it's a vodka, if I remember correctly. Maybe it's a branding thing. It doesn't matter. But her... Surprise, com- you know. Yeah. Investing in real estate is a great idea if you're in it for the long haul, not a quick return. Your best bet is investing in residential properties that produce rental income year-round. Make sure you understand all the associated legal fees and are prepared for unexpected costs. Now, let's understand what her ti- what it says, self-proclaimed title. Bethany Frankel, entrepreneur, philanthropist, founder of Skinny Girl and Be Strong, whatever that is. So nothing in here that says she's a wizard in real estate. Nothing that says she's a uh, wizard in investing other than she's an entrepreneur and philanthropist. Mm-hmm. And I don't mean that. I'm not putting her down. I'm just saying there's, she doesn't have her claim to fame as, in real estate, exactly, or an investment period. But I guess the that's why the paragraph is short. Uh, <laughs> that's true, <laughs> and I mean that with. I, I hope she's listening to this. I mean that with all due respect. And and everything she says on here is, is I guess I can agree with all of that. Yep. Best bets invest in residential properties that produce rental income year round. That to me would be spoken by somebody that doesn't understand. And if that's the only thing you've ever heard, then you're absolutely correct. But understand, I could change. I can make that sentence say the same thing, or sorry, use the exact same word and change two words. 
She said your best bet is investing in residential properties that produce rental income year-round. Change two words. Your best bet is investing in stocks that produce rental income year-round. Make sure you understand all the associated legal fees. There are no legal fees in the stock market and are prepared for unexpected costs. No unexpected no real costs, unexpected costs in the stock market. Now you say, well, wait a minute. If you're new to this, how do you produce rental income year-round? There's something known as a covered call. And basically, you're renting out your stock. You can do it for as short a period as they expire weekly. And you could even rent it out for a day if you wanted to. And then you don't have, do that. have no, no, don't do it. I'm just saying, but it's possible. And you also have monthly expirations, so monthly rental opportunities. Most of the people that I know, if I ask them, hey, what's a good monthly return that you could make on your capital in a rental environment? In Southern California, a good number would be in a you know uh, reasonable neighborhood. It's going to be maybe a handful of percent, five, six, maybe seven percent. Talk about year and, or monthly? Annual. 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 Monthly now, would be like half a percent maybe. Whatever right? that is, right? If you go yeah. into a um, high-ticket beach community, you're going to see a much lower ROI. Mm-hmm. If you go into a very sketchy, questionable neighborhood, you might see numbers north of 10. But, and that's assuming there's no issues. And ties, ties to the work you have to put in. Exactly. And, the, and now you're getting into safety issues. Mm-hmm. right? If you're unwilling to go in there at night and you've got issues collecting rent, it's a whole new set of challenges. Some people are willing to do it. Personally, I'm not. But now with that, so if we use a, I don't know, six, seven, five, six, seven, eight percent, whatever you want to use annual, Chris, in the last month, let's say, have mm-hmm. you, either on stock that you own or stock that you bought, have you rented it? Yes. And what kind of return did you see? In a month? Or whatever your, whatever your holding period was. Yeah. Uh, um, let me say just a week. Okay. Right. Uh, 3%, 4%. Is that an everyday thing? It's not an everyday thing, but on a monthly, you can. So you can get 3 to 4% yeah, if, you, if you wanted to, you know, you put in the... You know, it doesn't take that much work, but you put in some work, you can do it on a monthly basis. So three-ish percent a month. Correct. Three so, to four percent, no problem. So is is it, can I translate that to be in the range of one percent a week, most weeks? Uh, if you want to average it out, yes. I mean, that's, it's not unreasonable. Mm-hmm. So that says if it's ballpark three-ish percent a month, that's whatever that is, 36 percent a year. Somewhere in that range. If you did 1% mm-hmm. a week, you say, well, that's 50% a year. 50%, yeah. Yeah, but there's going to be some weeks where you won't get it. Exactly. So somewhere between three and fi- somewhere between 36 and 50, 35 and 50, it's probably not a stretch. If and then you could do it on stuff you don't own? Yeah, no, I'm, I'm, trying to do equi- I'm trying to do equivalent without getting oh, okay. too, yeah, we'll get too, um, too advanced. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so but just owning stock and then renting it out. Mm-hmm. A few percentage points per month. Not a stretch. Correct? Yep. Yeah, no problem. Yeah, not a stretch. Yeah. So she's right. Your best invest your best bet in investing in or is investing in scratch out that word residential properties, and I would say in the stock market. And that can produce or that produces rental income year round. So she uses the word bet. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <clears throat> uh, well, that's a good point. Your best bet is investing, Chris. When you make these, are these when you do these trades, are these bets? Nope. Why? 
because you have experience, you have, it's not a gamble. Correct. Yeah, you have experience, you understand the, the plan going in and the plan exiting. Do they always work? Uh, as far as profit, you know, no. But as far as, you know, the, your, your control of when they don't work, yeah, you, you have control of exiting. You get out. There's no, there's no way where they go, hey, you can't get out. Correct. You're stuck or your money's tied up and it doesn't work that way in the stock market. We need to talk about this, by the way. When you sell real estate, what's the uh, – I'm sure if you're in the, the multi-multi-million dollar property range, <clears throat> the commission rates are lower. But on a normal commission rate for selling a single-family residence, yeah, half a million, million dollars, something like that, what's the commission rate? Do you know? For real estate? Yeah. A couple of percent? Six. Well, yeah, on the buyer and then the seller side, right? So, so to six. yeah, total. So and, and it depends on the location too, I guess. Yeah, yeah, but generally, you kind of the standard number will be six, mm -hmm. right? You get into a much higher price property, they may negotiate that down. Mm -hmm. uh, Chris, last week, <clears throat> most of the brokerages announced a new commission structure for the That's stock right. market. Yeah. What does it cost now to buy and sell stock? Zero. Zero. <laughs> Zero commission. <laughs> So and uh, you know well I guess if we're talking about selling calls then we do pay uh, you know contract fees which yes. is fifty cents a contract fifty cents a contract which controls yeah, so, hundred shares yep so you know you can you can do half million dollars if you like but worth of the shares yes and it's not that much no it's pretty uh, very little expensive. less so. than uh, less than a hundred dollars mm -hmm. yep it's pretty cool. All right, next one we've got. The right investment will continue to appreciate. Here's a cigar chomping Mr. Grant Cardone. Uh, let's see. He said, real estate is real. And it's always a good... And by the way, he's got on a suit. <laughs> so, selling something. Real estate is real. And it's always a good idea to put your money in real assets. Let me be clear. That doesn't mean that all real estate is a good idea. I only buy certain types of properties, generally multifamily ones in upscale locations that provide consistent cash flow and a great potential for future appreciation. I stay away from low-income areas and single-family homes, but even these assets are probably a better place to store your money than letting cash depreciate while sitting in the bank. So let's change his wording. Real estate is real, and it's always a good idea to put your money in real assets. What do you call it? Shares of stock are real. Stocks are, yeah, stocks are real. I mean, yep. And it's yeah. always a good idea to put your money in real assets. Real assets, to me, is a business. Mm -hmm. which is stock. signified by stock. But let me be clear, that doesn't mean that all real estate is a good idea. Let me be clear, that doesn't mean that all stock is a good idea. Very true. I only buy certain types of properties, certain types of stocks. Generally, he calls it multifamily and upscale locations. I call it generally quality companies that move around a lot in price that I want to trade. Something I want to own forever. It's something that's been around forever. I expect it to be there forever. Think of what Mr. Buffett does. He owns companies he expects will be there for the next generation or two or three. Uh, he is looking for something that provides consistent cash flow. That to me would be the same thing. The company's making money, so there's earnings, <coughs> positive earnings, great potential for future appreciation. That is probably more appropriate for the stock market than real estate. Yes. The great potential for future appreciation. Almost every single company out there is looking to do things to improve themselves, make a bigger, better, faster widget, and do it for less cost. Mm -hmm. They're trying to do things better, 
to make life easier, better, cheaper, whatever it is for their customers, for their consumers. In turn, which leads to more sales, on and on and on and on. Yeah, they're always looking to innovate and improve the yep. business. Yep. I, I can't say the same in a uh, you know, property. I, I can only innovate property so much. Yeah. Um, I stay in, back to Mr. Cardone, I stay away from low income areas and single family homes. I stay away from really cheap stocks. Yep. Right. I want something and, that. Yeah. Really cheap stocks and stocks that don't, aren't, aren't really liquid. Yes. Right. So when we say really cheap stocks, the reasons, if you understand this, the reason stock prices move <clears throat> is because of buying and selling demand. And so people get confused and they'll hear a news event. You know, some news event will come out overnight. Trump will say, will tweet something. And it'll, the market will view it as good or bad. And people will buy or sell, depending on that. The stock price didn't move because of Trump's tweet. You got to understand that. It wasn't the news event that caused the stock price to move. The stock moved because people went out and bought it. They liked the news. They wanted to own it. And all that buying pressure, it's basic supply and demand theory. Rose made the stock price rise. By the same token, if he says something bad, people get scared. They don't want to own the stock, and so a bunch of people jump on and they sell. When there's a lot more sellers, what happens to price? It drops. And so you need to understand that stock prices move because of buying and selling pressure, not because of news. When stock prices are moving around, it's not because of the you and me's of the world buying our hundred or our thousand or a couple thousand shares. It's because of large institutions that are controlling your, your 401k, your pension, whatever it may be. And then they're there and they're moving tens, if not hundreds of millions of dollars to get in or get out of a position. It's that buying pressure that's causing stock prices to move. And when you find stocks that are really cheap, and I'm talking cheap on a dollar per share perspective, it's very unlikely that a big institution will take a big position in that because they don't want to upset the stock price with all that buying pressure. And so they want to be sure that there's enough capitalization, that there's enough money flowing in and out of that stock. And capitalization by definition is just the stock price times the number of shares outstanding. And so they want to be sure that there's enough cap there that they're and they're not going to go in and buy a million dollars worth of stuff. They're looking to place ten to hundreds of millions of dollars into a position. They want to be sure that if they do that, then they're not going to be the ones driving the stock price up. So by the same token, I would urge you as an individual, stay the hell away from dirt cheap stocks. It looks wonderful to say, hey, I bought a stock for $5 and ran up a buck. I made a dollar, made 20%. But you can do that with 100 shares. But it's really difficult to do with a million shares or 2 million shares, or 10 million shares. Cause now yeah, that's, what, that's what we mean by liquidity, too, when, when we talk about you know, making sure that the positions you're taking in is, uh, is, is liquid. Because if you're buying these low-dollar stocks, uh, a lot of times you, you can't put too much money in them. Because if you do, you're, you're the big elephant you know, buying up the shares, and it'll cause uh, share prices to move up and down, and you can't get out. Um, you know, at, at a price that you want, what mm -hmm. you need to get out. Next person on this one I love. Uh, if you're following along or reading this article, <clears throat> excuse me, at home or on your phone, the next one is number four. Buy, it says, buying is smarter than renting. Good-looking, smiling guy wearing a suit. His name is Mr. Peter Hernandez. 
and he's the president of the Western Region at Douglas Elliman. Uh, Douglas Elliman, if you don't know, I believe, I'm not sure if they just do commercial real estate, but it's a large real estate outfit. <clears throat> His line, most millionaires I know made more money from owning real estate than any other investment. Understand, he's in real estate. Chris, most millionaires you know, did, did they make their money in real estate or the stock market? Stocks. Okay, but that's because you and I hang out with people in the stock market. Mm-hmm. If we hang, if we hung out with people that were selling stuff on Amazon, yeah, all we know. Yeah, most people, most millionaires I would know then would <laughs> be people that made a lot of money selling stuff on Amazon. Yeah. So, real estate consistently increases in value over time, outperforms other investments. Here's a great study that I show. Chris and I have shown this a bunch of times. It was uh, it's a case uh, case Schiller study. And it showed how real estate prices, and we specifically chose the one for Los Angeles, being that we're both in L.A. And it showed, uh, I think they, they put it as a, a starting point of 100 for stock, or, um, housing prices 1980. And it ran it through, I think it was 2016, if I remember the year, right? 2016, 2017, mm-hmm. something like that. And it showed that real estate prices went up, it was like 5.6 fold, so ballpark six times in that ballpark 35-year period. And then the very next thing they had, was we, we, we put it up there and we said, okay, what has the S&P 500 done over that same period of time? And it went, what was it, Chris, 20-fold? 22 20 times, yeah. So the stock market went up 20-fold. Real estate went up 6-fold. And that's just buying the overall market. That's not buying the best stocks or the worst or the whatever. That's just saying, let me just put it in an index fund. And here's what happens. And he's saying it outperforms other investments. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I think because you know, most of the people that are doing real estate, they're not looking at the numbers in the stock market. So they're just kind of saying what they know. Lack of understanding. Lack of understanding. <clears throat> so, and so for those who are you know, real estate zealots and that's what you know and you're not, you don't understand the numbers in the stock market, go back and look at what we, we just talked about in looking at the Dow or the S&P. Go back, you know, any pick any period of 20 years or 30 years or whatever in history, and then just see how the stock market grew, right? And then compare that to the real estate market. Then you will know. So we've got a friend that always says, trust but verify. So you don't have to trust us. Go verify us and check your own numbers. And if, if you find something different, please send me a note or call me. I want to hear it. Because if there's something better, I want to know about it. But I ain't found it yet. And remember our, our earlier comment. <laughs> we see a picture of somebody in a suit. All right, they're selling something. And the other thing is, you know, understand where somebody's motivation is. This guy's in sales for a real estate firm, so I expect him to be telling the good story about real estate. And what he knows. It mm-hmm. says he's in real estate. I, this, this doesn't surprise us. It's what he knows. So, yeah, uh, one of our one one of the friends that we know. Um, and, and I was surprised because, you know, in his mind, I think when we were talking about uh, the, the stock market and real estate numbers and, uh, you know, his experience in real estate um, and, you know, he's he's already, you know, kind of understand I mean, the stock market and that's where his focus is now. Um, but still, I think when we were talking, he thought, you know, he said something about in the 70s, I think, you know, real estate prices in the 70s. He thought he thought. Um, you know, hey, real estate has grown, uh, you know, a decent amount. And then he said, he said, wasn't the Dow like, you know, but he said, well, if you look at the Dow, wasn't it like about 4,000, you know? In the 70s? And in the 70s. And I'm like, 
I'm like, wait a minute. I'm like, it can't be. I'm like, no, 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 no. I go, man, go back and look. And then I go back, it's like 400. Yes. Yep. <laughs> yeah. And for those of you who don't know, the Dow today is, I think it's north of 25,000. Yeah, 26,000 something. Yeah. Right? So. so huge, huge uh, uh, multiplication there. Yep. <clears throat> you cannot compare real estate prices uh, if, you, if you're comparing with the stock market. Yep. His next line is perfect, though. Our next paragraph, it says, it's always a good time to buy real estate. That That is the best, most frequent, or not the best, that is the most common line uttered by a real estate salesperson. Yeah. In fact, the real wealth is made by buying when everyone else is selling and vice versa. Again, I'm quoting this. Mm. It's like, uh, okay, so the real wealth is made by buying when everyone else is selling and vice versa. Hey, the financial advising community uh, for the stock market too. They always tell you it's always best to put, you know, to, yeah. to buy stocks now. Yeah, buy right now. Yeah. Wealthiest guy in the world, Mr. Warren Buffett, or wealthiest, uh, the best investor in the world. I'm necessarily call him the wealthiest. I think Bezos still got him a little bit. But the uh, the wealthiest investor is sitting on a hundred billion dollars plus in cash, waiting for prices to correct before he goes to put it to work. Cardone said it's better to have your money invested rather than have it depreciate while in the bank. It's interesting. The wealthiest guy out there is happy having it sit in the bank while he's waiting for an opportunity to strike when the iron's hot. Mm -hmm. So here's the other one I thought was kind of amusing. His next line says, renting a one-bedroom apartment can cost $5,000 a month in certain neighborhoods today. True, no question. Yeah, San Francisco and New York, I don't know if Boston is that high. And there's probably places around downtown L.A. that might be that much as well. Yet you can buy a $1 million house with just $4,000 a month in mortgage payments. <clears throat> but usually you can't buy a $1 million house in the same neighborhood where it costs $5,000 to rent a one-bedroom apartment. So He's probably putting 60% uh, down. <laughs> well, well, yeah. <laughs> 4000 a month in mortgage payments. Yeah, I, I, was, I should have run the numbers to see what it shows up to be. Yeah. Um, but it's interesting. He's not looking in the same neighborhood and would say that. Yeah. And so I was like, ah, come on, man. You're, you're, you're mixing up all kinds of stuff. Real estate is very local. Mm -hmm. um, you know, you, you cannot compare real estate prices in Manhattan or in San Francisco to what you would see in. Is know, there a one bedroom house? In, yeah, exactly. Or in, <laughs> in Backwoods, Iowa. You know, million dollar place in Backwoods, Iowa. Mm -hmm. is going to be relatively a palace to what you can get in New York City yep. or San Francisco. Um, just interesting. Uh, let's see. Next lady, again, dressed in a suit. <clears throat> she said, you get six-figure tax breaks. Real estate has incredible tax benefits. In certain situations, you don't have to pay taxes on your gains from investment properties. All right? Stock market has incredible tax benefits. In certain situations, you don't have to pay taxes on your gains from investment from investing. Mm -hmm. Here, you can get a two hundred fifty thousand dollars tax break as an individual, half a million dollars as excuse me as a married couple. Stock market, you can get an unlimited. <laughs> you never sell tax break. Well, no, either never sell or just do it in a Roth. Correct. Right. So you never yeah, have to. Yeah. So mm -hmm. you can keep growing and growing and growing and growing and growing, and never have to pay tax on that. <clears throat> Um, the, the, I love this next line. The wealthiest people collect property the way they used to collect cars. I do not know what the heck that means. <laughs> <laughs> I 
I had to read that a couple of times. Like, I don't know what that means. Um, interest rates are low, prices have fallen, and you don't have to tie up a lot of cash in the investment. Okay. And <laughs> at the same time, more people are choosing to rent instead of own. Okay. Uh, you can have a lucrative rental property using other people's money to cover the mortgage taxes and upkeep. So let's see. Let's change that to stock. You can have a lucrative stock <clears throat> using other people's money to cover the... There is no mortgage. There is no tax. There is no upkeep. So I can I can do what's known as a LEAP, which is a, a long a true definition, long-term equity appreciation security, I think is what it stands for. Basically, it is a the right to buy stock with an expiration date that's a few years out. And so that means you can control a $100 stock for, I don't know, 10, 15, 20 bucks, something like that. So you usually get easily a 10 to 1 ratio on that. And then with that, you can rent that out. Please don't go do this tomorrow. Go read up on this. Go study it. Take my class. Go take a class somewhere. Learn how to do this before you start jumping in there. Give the whole disclaimer here. Chris and I are a couple of morons. We've been unemployed for me almost 20 years. Chris for about 10. So clearly we don't know what the hell we're talking about because we haven't we haven't had a job in forever. These fine people that we're quoting in this uh, article on CNBC are all dressed very nicely in a suit and tie. They clearly must know what they're doing. They're licensed. You have to have a job to be licensed. Chris and I have been unemployed for an incredibly long time. And we don't dress very nice. So we must not know what we're talking about. So I would strongly urge you to... Go speak to somebody with a license and a job because clearly they know what they're doing. He and I, we do this just for (laughs) educational and (laughs) infotainment, I guess would be the right way to say it. And there's our disclaimer. Basically saying you go rent. Well, we do the same thing with stock and you can do it with a leverage position if you want to. While I suggest diversifying your investment, there's no better place to park your money than brick and mortar investments you can live in and enjoy. I'm glad she mentioned diversifying because, like, you know, if you're in real estate, where, how would you diversify? It's you all know? real estate. Some would say, well, I'm, I'm diversified because I've got a single family home and a multifamily. I own a, an apartment building somewhere and I've got a commercial property. That's not diversification. Nope. Not at all. Stock market, how can you diversify? It's simple. There's a lot of different businesses you can put your money in. So you could own a restaurant or a restaurant business? Yeah, you can own, you know, depending on you know, a lot of different industries. And you can own an oil company. You can own an aerospace company. You can own a real estate company. Yeah, you can own a real estate company if you like. Right? Um, you can own a bank. You can own a retailer. Mm-hmm. Whatever you like. Lots to choose from. There is. By the way, this last person we were reading about her quote, Holly Parker, founder and CEO of the Holly, Holly Parker team at Douglas Element. So the same real estate firm. Award-winning broker who's made over $8 billion in sales. That's awesome. So she's been incredibly successful in selling stuff. Understand, don't equate it. It didn't say her net worth is $8 billion. She sold $8 billion worth of stuff. Yeah, but that's, that's, the, uh, that's the whole team. Oh, good point. Good yeah, point. that's not her personally. Yep. So <clears throat> don't equate when somebody sells a lot of stuff that they know what they're doing. I can say that firsthand. Do you remember, what kind of quota did you carry at IBM? What was your biggest quota that you had to carry? Uh, when I was in financing, it was like 70-something million. So, Chris, you sold 70, you're responsible for $70 million in sales at IBM. Mm-hmm. Wow. 
Yeah, and then and then my you know my manager will or my manager's manager will say, oh, she's responsible for two billions dollars, yeah, <laughs> two billion dollars, yep, right? because now they got what thirty reps or something like that under them. Yep. <laughs> yes, yeah, so I think the big. I'm trying to remember. I think my biggest quota was, I, think, I want to say it was like twenty million or something like that. Mm-hmm. It was just me. Um, yeah, I might have had. I don't know if I had a team or not, but if I did, it was maybe me and one other person. But I had about yeah, and an intern. <laughs> For those of you who don't know, my intern was him. <laughs> so he was my, hey, could you go get, I don't even drink coffee. Could you go get you some coffee? It'll wake you up so you can do a couple of tasks for me. Or run over. I, to, I think you try to use me as an intern. Yeah. Run over. Could you like, go cool, get, we got an intern. I was like, hey, man, I report to your boss's boss. <laughs> like, well, that's cool. I'll go ask her. <laughs> And she'll ask me, she says, hey, Chris, you have enough work? I was like, yeah, plenty. <laughs> yeah, get Hanson <laughs> off my back. But so don't uh, don't twist someone, whatever their, the amount of quota that they've sold. Uh, don't don't confuse that. Don't get, don't, it's impressive, but you got to dig into it a little bit. So, so I guess you can say, Christy and I, you and I were joking about this before. You know, people will say, oh, I run a, uh, you know, I run a company that generates a million dollars in sales. I had a million dollars in revenue last year. Mm-hmm. Chris and I were joking around one day and saying, you know, we realized that we could, we could have a billion dollar business instantly or easily a hundred million dollar. But I think I go over a hundred million, I'm sure many, many times. I haven't gone back to look at what the numbers are mm-hmm. because the way that they measure revenue, if I go buy a million dollars in stock, Mm-hmm. And then sell Revenue, it. Yeah. yeah, go sell it that same day. So I could do a day trade on a million dollars of stuff and then mm-hmm. sell it. So that would say that I had a million dollars in sales in one day. Yep. There are ballpark 220 trading days in the year, I think, maybe 240. Mm-hmm. So if I did a million dollars just on a day trade and I could be in the thing for five or 10 minutes, make 10 cents and then get out. Yeah. So I could do that. That says that I could be running, I could describe it as a business that does $250 million in sales. That's true. And that's one guy sitting at home in the <laughs> in a yeah. back bedroom. Yeah, I think a, when I was still uh, working, I, I got audited uh, by the IRS. Because mm-hmm. back then, I think uh, they used to just report your, you know, net, your sales. Yes. But they don't report your costs. Yep. And uh, it's like, what? what is this guy, you know, as an employee... <laughs> and and he's received what I think like sixty seventy million dollars in sales <laughs> for stocks. <laughs> right, and this is an intern at IBM making ten yeah. bucks an hour. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, what are you? What are you doing? <laughs> so, so and for the listener, so if anyone ever says, "Hey, I run a business that you know sells this much," yeah, understand? Don't don't, don't get. It, it might be very impressive. Yeah. But just listen to that with a little bit of a leery eye because mm-hmm. it'd be very easy for he and I to run a business with a quarter billion dollars in sales. And, and that's how to think, right? Mm-hmm. We're showing you how to think, how to look at, you know, if people have to inflate their numbers and to boast or to make them look good, you know, you know, kind of watch out. There's something under the cover. There's a, a great story I like to tell. My kid was probably, I don't know, fourth grade maybe, so however old you are in fourth grade. And... We were driving up to a uh, to a Dodger game. It was over. I'll never forget. It was over Labor Day weekend, and he was telling me about something that his teacher had said. And his teacher said, "Hey, you know, I'm I'm uh, how do you say it? 
my kids said, my teacher said he's the smart, he's a very, very smart guy. And I looked at him and <laughs> said, son, just so you know, if somebody has to tell you how smart they are, they're usually not. And if they have to tell you how good looking they are, they definitely aren't. Mm -hmm. And so he kind of looked at me <laughs> for a second because growing up, whenever I would tickle him, <clears throat> the word to get the, the tickling to stop is to say, dad's smart and good looking. And so if yeah. I had to tell him how smart and good looking I am, then clearly I am not. So now you know one of us is not smart and one of us is not good looking. <laughs> it's, and it's the same guy. <laughs> but just remember that for the listener, if anyone, and then they're going to come out and tell you how smart they are, how good looking they are, how rich they are. Sometimes they do it directly, but even on an indirectly, if they're doing that, just let your spidey senses go up. The hair should stand up on the back of your neck and just listen with a little bit more of a careful ear. Because there's some reason that they're trying to inflate their, either their image to you or something. So just heads up. Once you're aware of that, you can spot it a mile away. Uh, let's see. Doesn't tie up a lot of cash is the next one. Who is this person? She is the CEO of this same real estate brokerage empire. And this real estate brokerage empire has $27 billion in annual sales. Uh, she says real estate is a bankable asset. You can always leverage it. Stock is a bankable asset. You can always leverage it would be my comeback. It also doesn't tie up a lot of cash. The stock market doesn't have to tie up a lot of cash. Real estate, she says you can put down as little as 10% and use the bank's money to grow your investment. Well, stock market, you can put down as little as 10% and use the employee's effort and time to grow your investment. I don't need bank money. With such low interest rates, that's like free money is what she's saying. I'm thinking, why the hell would you want to go into debt? Correct. If your interest rates are low or not. I don't want to go into debt. She says, unlike the stock market, where any factors are out of your control, your investment can't disappear overnight. You can also build your wealth with excellent return rates and tax advantages. Well, but, let's go back to the uh, <laughs> using the bank's money. Yep. Uh, you know, how, how much of the bank's money can you use? How much leverage can you take out? So right. if, you're, if you're buying it as an individual... There is a limit. I think they'll let you go up to nine properties. Mm -hmm. Assuming you got you know, proper dollars and financing and credit and all that. If you're going in, buying a property, uh, once it, I think it's once over five doors, and or a commercial mm -hmm. property, they will loan you dollars based on the business, not, yep. on the, not on the person taking out the loan. Sure. So then your interest rates. rates goes up too as a business. Correct. Exactly. Yeah. So, yeah, it's, and, and you're very limited. It's not like it's unlimited of use of the bank's money, right? But I think if uh, the, the, in, in the stock market, you can probably get more money if you're just buying options. Correct. Right? Correct. There's definitely more leverage there. But that's not to say to use leverage just because you can do that. No, but say it is there. Yeah. But I would, I would not encourage you to do that. And that is, that is clearly giving advice, even though we're not licensed and... Again, I say don't listen to us on that one. Be really, really, really careful. Don't do it. Now, back to our next comment. Unlike the stock market, many factors are out of your control. Your investment can't disappear overnight. I, you go ahead. This is too easy. This is just this is lobbing a softball across the plate. But on the uh, on on the real estate side. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, well, on the real estate side, I mean, a natural any natural disaster can 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 get rid of your property overnight. Um. Uh, even the government can take it away. So let's go back to that. So uh, what Chris is saying, unlike the stock market, many factors are out of your control. Investment can't disappear overnight. 
about 30 days ago, 45 days ago, maybe even less. There was a big hurricane that blew through. Uh, Trump said it was going to hit Alabama. I think it missed that one. So it, it hit Florida, Carolina, the Bahamas. Uh, I remember if it hit Puerto Rico, but a number of Caribbean islands that were wiped out. So their investment did disappear overnight. Like, huh. A few years ago, we had Katrina. A lot of New Orleans disappeared overnight. Uh, we've had earthquakes where places disappear overnight. We get landslides in Southern California. But you can get insurance on it, Chris. Okay. <laughs> no income. <laughs> Correct. It, just understand, an investment can disappear overnight. Real estate can do the same thing. Yeah. Fire can cause it to disappear overnight. Mm-hmm. Um, the only, their next line, the only people who lose money in real estate are those who bought at the height of the market and sold at the wrong time or, to, or took too much equity out of their home, leaving no profit margin when they sold it. So let's see. She's working for the same place where the guy earlier said, it's always a great time to buy real estate. Yep. So I got one person saying you only lose if you buy it at the height of the market. The other guy's saying buy anytime you want. Um, often takes time to see big appreciation, but if you hold on to your investment, you will. So let's see. We went back and looked at, and again, LA's got a pretty good housing market. Probably one of the best around, if you look at it historically. We went back and looked at the numbers from 1980 to 2016, I think the numbers were. And real estate went up just under sixfold. That's awesome. And so that's big appreciation. And if you hold on to your investment, you will see it. That's it absolutely worked out. And yet the stock market returned 20-fold. No comparison. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So that's the next person. Then who do we got after that? This one I love. Number seven, real estate offers unlimited options. And this is by a guy, the founder of a real estate coaching business. Uh, what is his name? Uh, Daniel Lesniak. Lesniak. <clears throat> he said, real estate's always a great investment because you have more options than with, any other, with other types of investments. If you invest in stocks, bonds, or a private offering, your success is completely dependent on factors outside of your control. At most, your options are to hold or sell. With real estate, you have unlimited options. Clearly a person who only understands one side of the equation. Mm-hmm. So let's see. If I own stock, he's saying my only options, I'm, I'm going to use the word options, my only choices are to hold or to sell. Well, let's see. I could rent it. Mm-hmm. I can insure it against a downdraft. Like, hmm. And I get dividends paid while I'm holding it. Mm-hmm. I don't get taxed when I hold it. Whereas if I hold real estate, I got to pay property taxes every year. I don't get charged maintenance for having to hold it. Yeah, there's no more money you have to put in. Nope. So if, if your grandmother bought 100 shares of IBM back in 1947, mm-hmm. she was a 20-year-old woman, and has held on to it ever since, and still sitting as 100 shares, you know, maybe buried in her safe deposit box somewhere, grandma never had to pay a dime on those 100 shares of IBM over the last 60, 70 years, whatever it's been. And she's been collecting dividends all along the way, and her stock has gone up however much it's gone up. On the other hand, that house that she bought back in 1947, she's had to pay money to keep it up. She's had to pay property tax, and that's assuming she's living in it. After a while, she didn't have to pay rent on it, which is core pay a mortgage, which is awesome. But there's upkeep and there's taxes that go along with that. Dealing with tenants. 
Oh, I'm assuming that she lives in it. Yeah, yeah if she lives in it, then I don't think she's investing in it. Yeah. <clears throat> nope, that's true. Yeah. It's like, all right, dude. Oh, and guess what he's wearing, Chris? Suit and tie. He's got on a suit. Suit and a good-looking gold tie. Uh, next guy is the founder and CEO of a company called Rockstar Capital, a real estate investment firm with over $330 million in in assets under management, which could mean real estate investment firm. So he might be a property man. I have no idea. But remember, don't get too impressed with the numbers. Understand what it really means. Hmm. What he says in there, there's an opportunity for greater and more consistent returns with real estate than with other investments. Well, we've already talked about the greater returns, more consistent returns. I think we talked about that with doing the rentals. I'm sorry, with doing covered calls. And you, you can pull in, you've done 3% a month, pretty commonly. These, these are too easy. <laughs> it just becomes repetitive. Let's see, you're reading this as well. Any other any other comments here to counter Mr. Robert Martinez? Uh, you said you read the first one already? Uh, yeah, opportunity for greater, more consistent returns. When a property is built... A group of people see a population large enough to justify it. Well, next piece is the sheer number of new properties each year. You know, it's, I mean, if you compare that to the stock market, it's an you know the stock market has so many. Mm-hmm. I mean, you you can even just pick one stock if you really wanted to and, tra- and, and trade off of it. Say um, that again. So you could pick one stock. You could pick one stock that moves well, and just trade off of it and do pretty well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, not not that I suggest you do that because you have, you know, you have so many choices in different industries. Yeah, 7,999 so, other ones you could also choose. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, and you, you're never going to run short of supply of stock, so don't worry about that. So, you know, most of these uh, comments, they're, they, I, I, you know, I don't know what they're comparing it to, but they're, they're saying, that, you know, are these advantages over the stock market? Because they're clearly not. Right? And if they think they are, it's because these guys don't understand the stock market. Correct. One of the things too, Chris, <clears throat> let's say that you're looking, let's say that you're looking at a property to buy. It's right across the street from you, mm-hmm. and it's available for sale. You want to buy it as a rental. Mm-hmm. Can I buy it too? Nope. No. So either one of us has to get we, the we winning have, bid. We, we, we got a bid for it. That's yep. it. So we're competing against it. So if you hear yeah. of something good, you're not going to. You might tell me about it, but you're not going to tell me the address. Mm-hmm. But if we both see an opportunity in XYZ stock, mm-hmm. can I own it and you, can you own it too? Oh, yeah. Are we competing with each other? Not really. Not a bit, right? So there's no, there's no from an individual perspective, <clears throat> there's no issue. Yeah. Right? It's individual investing. You'd say, well, yeah. Hanson, why are you saying it as an individual? Well, if you're a mutual fund where you're looking to push in large chunks, huge chunks of money then you can be competing. You could be competing, and all that says is you won't, or it's not uncommon to see a mutual fund build their position over many weeks of buying. They're not going to get their whole position in a day. They're going to slowly build the position over time. And then when they go to unload, oftentimes they're going to slowly unload as they go over time as well because they don't want to upset the market. Yeah, we just compete sometimes to see, you know, we can beat each other by a fraction of a penny. We used to, we had a great trading strategy for a while, way back when <clears throat> one of us would sell and would call the other guy and say, Hey, are you still in ABC stock? And go, yeah, well, just so you know, I sold. And it was 
almost probably 90% of the time, if the second guy just held on for a little bit of time, he'd get a better price. It almost always, always <laughs> worked that way. <laughs> so we, you sell, let me know. I'll buy and get a little bit more. <laughs> exactly. So I buy something for 90, sell it for 100. Call him, go, hey, man, I just sold the stock for 100 bucks. And you go, oh, let me buy it. I can make another 25 cents or a buck. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty consistent. Uh, let's see. Who else we got? Uh, let's see. This last guy. You can invest in land that produces income. And this guy talks about owning land. I, I read it. I didn't quite understand what he was talking about. And then I read his background. And he's the founder of a day trading academy. <laughs> and so it's a funding company for aspiring day traders. Yeah. And yet he's talking about owning land. I'm like, okay. <laughs> so I don't even want, I don't even care what he has to say about it. Um, I don't agree with it, but it doesn't even matter. It's not his. But that's how to think, right? Is if you're looking at his background, if his background is day trading, he's talking about real estate. This guy is not day trading so well. <laughs> <laughs> And he's making, he's trying to make money off of some type of academy, you know, putting his name on it or something. Something, yeah. yeah. And he's, he's getting but some self-published. Yeah, if, if you're day trading well, I, I don't think you even care to put, in, you know, talk about real estate here. Yeah, why are you yeah. publishing yourself in a, in a real estate article? Yeah. So who knows, Chris, this might be an example of what this site is. Mm -hmm. It says on there, you know, click here, you can join, you can become one of the oracles. Yes. Either as a member or as an advisor. I don't know what yeah. the fees are to do it. Yeah. I'm not Well, all these have links, right? I can click on Day Training Academy. Yep. Click on, uh, you know, he says founder of Speed Up Trader. You can, yep. you can click on that. See what it's all about. So, yeah. I'm, advertising the business. <clears throat> so, I, maybe he paid to be on there. And it's like, dude, what? If you understand day trading, why would they put you in a stock market article? Mm -hmm. like, come on. Yeah. But who knows? Oh, and guess That's what also a good Chris? question. It's very rare that we do see a stock market article. Yeah, exactly. Because there's not many people that, that, that put in the time and effort to learn. Mm -mm. Yeah. Hey, Chris, guess what he's wearing? A suit and tie. Yeah, no tie. Oh, no tie. I mean, he's a stock guy. He's got an open neck shirt, but he does have a suit on, so he's selling oh, something. Oh, that's that's because he's in. He's a day trader. Yeah, but he's selling something. Right? Yeah. he's got the suit on. <laughs> <laughs> so... Uh, let's see. So a couple things, a couple takeaways. One, just because somebody's wearing a suit and tie, do not equate that to knowledge. In uh, they could be a wizard in what their uh, area of expertise is. Don't equate that to be a wizard and everything else. Or how much they're worth, how much they've sold, yep. you know, the size of the business they've worked at or ran. Correct. Yeah, it has nothing to do with how much they know. Correct. Or what they know. Yep. And so you always want, and if somebody comes out saying, hey, you know, here's my credentials. I've sold this much. I've done this much. I've done whatever. That's awesome. And for many people, that is a wonderful accolade. And my hat's off to them. I salute them and I applaud them. That doesn't translate to knowledge. doesn't translate to know-how. There's other stuff that I want to hear. No, I want to chat with somebody and see if I can. I'm looking for quality of person and quality of knowledge. Like I said, you know, Chris and I could easily day trade a, bill, a million dollars a day, right? And wouldn't make much. We, we could do it and not make much money. We make 10 cents and lose 10 cents. You know, make a dime today and lose a dime tomorrow. And so at the end of the year, we would have $250 million in sales. 
and three thousand dollars in profit. <laughs> <laughs> like, and you can yeah. look at somebody and go, "Hey, four billion business." Exactly, exactly. Yeah. So don't twist those two up. Um, as we said before, we've got lots of people that have come to us and say, "Hey, I've got a strong real estate background. I like what you said about stock market. Teach me." And happy to do it. In all the people that I've met to talk about real estate, <clears throat> not that I've convinced people, but many of them have switched teams, right? And now they're in their learning about stock market. I haven't yet met somebody in real estate that has given me a strong, compelling reason as to why I should switch teams. I've yet to see it. And the more I understand real estate, the more, not rigid I get, but the more I realize I'm on the right side. Right? The opportunity here is wonderful. <clears throat> you don't need to wear a suit and tie. And you don't need to sell anything. You do this on your own, at your own pace, at your own rate. It's a pretty cool business. Oh, let me offer something, too, for uh, those guys that uh, listen to the podcast and also are learning the stock market. Uh, a lot of times they approach people with good intention, uh, you know, maybe colleagues at work or whatever that talk about real estate. And they get into this almost debate and argument almost with these guys that are, you know, very uh, pro real estate. And, the, the you know, if you're just learning the stock market and kind of new, you know, it's the way to go, but you're not sure how to, you know, you, you get in some type of, you know, fist fight almost, right? And it, 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 it leads to nowhere. Um, the best way if you meet someone that, you know, doesn't understand about the stock market, but they're, you know, they're all about real estate and you want to share with them about the stock market, what you tell them is that, you know, it's not, hey, the stock market is better. Don't, don't, don't come and approach it that way. You just tell them that, hey, there's something there in the stock market that, you know, the person who did, that, that other person can learn. And then once you learn it, now, 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 now make your decision. What, what might work better for you, Right. And it's also, you're not trying to convince them to stop what they're doing, but to learn something, be open-minded so that they can now decide, you know, to have different tools that they can use. And, and then you won't get in an argument. But, but if you come in, you say, hey, you know, stock market's better than real estate and all that, and then they're, they're going to fight you because they get defensive. They're like, what are you talking about? You're saying, I don't know what I'm doing. And that's typically the, uh, you know, the, the, the mindset of the other person. They get defensive because they think like you're you're kind of ridiculing what what they're doing, mm -hmm. um, but if you approach it from a you know you're trying to help them, you're trying to share knowledge, and you know all you ask them is be open minded, you know then once they see both sides now they can make a decision, intelligent decision, right? And it's not to say hey stop what you're doing in real estate. If what you're doing in real estate is working today, you continue to do it until you learn something that is better. Or you tell you learn something that hey it, it makes more sense for you to switch. Yes. Just like we don't just say hey we're just going to invest in the stock market and we don't care about anything else. If somebody to approach us with something else and they're able to show us a way that hey this this is better than the stock market and so we we would switch as well in an instant. In an instant. And so if you take it from that approach, you're not you're going to avoid getting into these debates that uh, go nowhere. Battle. Yeah, and it's just going to be a, a you know a negative type of outcome, you know, that that results from it. Yeah, it's a no win. Yeah. 
so hopefully that that gives uh, you know some some people some things to uh, you know work with as you know because these conversations come across all the time you know back, backyard barbecues or you know at the coffee break or whatever at work mm-hmm. you know or in in the cubicles yeah. <laughs> 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 Thank God, no longer in a cubicle. No more, no longer in cubicles. I'll leave it at that. Always, always, always. Uh, when I when I see the corporate work environment, I see a, you know. I think you might have done that. You know, where you you kind of hover over the cubicle and you put your arms on top of it and uh-huh. hey, what's going on? How are yep. you doing? Yep. <laughs> yeah. You look like a gopher poking your head out of out of the hole. And yeah. Talking to the next person, then you drop back down, get back to work for a little bit. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Thank God. <clears throat> <laughs> no more nightmares <clears throat> oh, done it's very cool i did my time i'm good i appreciate it um let's see if you as i said before if you've got thoughts or comments for us by all means please shoot us a note either an email we said that before at the beginning of the show or, or a phone call you should all remember that phone number at this point 747 24 or 747 24 hours get to any beach in the world we know that if you'll apply what we talk about in this episode, in prior episodes, and upcoming episodes, you can apply that knowledge and get to the point of reaching time freedom. And to us, time freedom is signified by the ability to go to the beach any day of the week, preferably on a Tuesday, and listen to the Tuesday waves. If you try that sometime, you'll find that the waves you hear on a Tuesday are so much better than any wave you'll ever hear on a Friday, a Saturday, or a Sunday when you got to share that beach with, you know, half a million of your closest friends. The Tuesday waves are the way to go. If you'll uh, apply what we're talking about, you too can get to the point where all you get to listen to are Tuesday waves. It is an awesome, awesome spot to be. As always, we appreciate you listening, and we'll look forward to speaking to you next time. Take care. Mm-hmm.